Welcome to Spotlight, a Bournemouth University podcast exploring the people and stories behind the research. On today's episode, we speak to Dr. Laura Renshaw-Villier about emotional well-being and how to deal with negative emotions. Whether it's sun-drenched social media posts or self-help guides, we're constantly bombarded by messages that we should be happy all the time. But life isn't perfect and expecting constant happiness can actually be unhealthy. When we try to suppress them, negative emotions can become more overwhelming and we might turn to harmful behaviours to make us feel better. Dr Laura Renshaw-Villier has explored how we can better understand, accept and manage our emotions. I spoke to Laura to find out more. Please note, this podcast explores research in the areas of emotions and eating disorders, but it is not an intervention or treatment. You should seek advice from a qualified professional if you think you need help. Hi, Laura. Thank you very much for joining us on Spotlight today. Um, How are you doing? Good, thank you. I suppose that's a, a relevant question for this podcast because every day we all experience different emotions, different moods. Um, so yeah, how, how are you doing and um, how can we kind of um, tune into those emotions and, and talk about how we're feeling? Yeah, so that's, yeah, I think what we're going to be exploring today. Um, so I am doing good. I'm feeling excited about this podcast. Um, maybe there's a bit of being a bit nervous as well. Um, and yeah, so we'll be talking about how we can identify these emotions and what can we do with some emotions that we may feel are not okay to have. The main message that I'd like people to get from this podcast is that all emotions are okay and it's okay to feel nervous, it's okay to feel sad or angry and we'll be talking about how to better understand why this is okay, what emotions do and what to do when we feel it's difficult to accept that we're feeling sad or angry or nervous. And why do you think it is that you need to say that, that it's okay to feel sad or angry? Why do you think there is this kind of misconception that we all need to feel happy and great all of the time? Why exactly? I don't know why this is happening. But in Western society, we have this vision that we should always be happy. It's not always the case in all societies. And in Eastern society, they have a bit more of an understanding that life is more balanced between positive and negative emotions. But in the West, we have this view of you should always feel happy and you should always feel positive emotion and negative emotion should be pushed away. This is really unhealthy because nobody's happy all the time, literally nobody. And negative emotions or what people would call negative emotion or unpleasant emotions such as anger or sadness are part of life and they will they will happen in your life whether you want it or not. And they're here to tell you a very important message and if we're not, if we're just trying to push them away, oh no, I shouldn't feel these emotions, then first you feel these emotions more. And second, then it's kind of like impairing, it is sort of like saying, what's wrong with me? Why can't I be happy? Everybody's happy all the time. Why can't I be happy? And what role do those unpleasant emotions play? I'm sure everybody who's ever felt angry or sad um, would wish that they never had to feel that way again but actually do they play a really important role in our well-being more generally yeah so emotions are here to tell you that something needs your attention so an emotion is sort of like a reaction 
um, to a situation in the environment. So for instance, um, you know, I'm recording this podcast and I'm excited to be sharing kind of my knowledge about emotion. And this is, you know, that shows I'm excited and then that kind of pushes me to, to go out of my way to make things happen. But equally, if someone tells you that your pet has died, then this is normal to feel sad. And what you're going to do is like, you're probably going to cry. And then that's going to tell to other people that you need social comfort and you need you need like somebody by showing that you're crying is going to communicate with somebody that you need um, some comfort and that's going to help you feel better. If you're angry, that tells you that there's a situation that you're not happy with. For instance, you come back after a long day at work and your housemate hasn't done the dishes, that will make you feel angry. But then that tells you that something needs changing and then it's valid to feel angry. Now there's a difference between feeling angry and then slapping your or shouting at your housemate for not having done the dishes. It's the emotion is here to tell you that something is changing. And then what's important is how we act on these emotions. And here would be about, okay, so let's have a conversation because when I come back home after a long day at work, I just it makes me a bit unhappy to see all this and angry to see all these dishes. Can we please just make sure that you do your dishes and I do mine or something and having a conversation. So emotions are here to tell you that something needs your attention. And then it's what we do with them. That's very important. And so what are the potential risks if people suppress those emotions or don't really deal with them? Um, what can happen as a consequence? Well, the first, I think probably you have heard of it and all um, your listeners will have heard of it as well. If I'm telling you not to think of a white bear or a pink elephant for one minute, all you're going to think about is that white bear or this pink elephant. So when we're trying so hard to be, I'm not feeling angry, I'm not feeling angry, or I shouldn't, and trying to push it away, what happens is that it comes back full force. And then also you're not dealing with it. So then it means that you're kind of like pushing everything away. And then you've got this kind of unpleasant feeling of, I don't know what's wrong and I'm just kind of generally feeling just meh and just not feeling great, but you haven't identified the emotion and you haven't dealt with it, meaning that then you can't kind of move on with it and being able to pinpoint it, okay, I'm feeling angry and the situation is I've had an argument about the dishes at home or like whatever the situation, but by being able to pinpoint to the emotion and the situation, then that helps you solve the situation. But if you're just pushing it away, then you don't know what you're feeling and then you don't solve the situation that requires your attention. And do you find people then kind of come up with unhealthy coping mechanisms, things like drinking alcohol or trying to kind of avoid those emotions in other ways? Your work also looks at the role emotions play in eating disorders as well. So maybe you could touch on that. Yeah. So we know that people um, who have an eating disorder find it difficult to identify their emotions. So they find it difficult to say and to identify in themselves and to describe I am feeling excited sad angry or anything so that's already something that's difficult but even when they can identify how they feel they have difficulties managing their emotion in a healthy way and it's not entirely clear why and I'll come back to that in a second but what happens is then that to help them manage this unpleasant emotions some people may decide to, well, not consciously decide, but may realize that by stopping eating, then they kind of numb themselves and, and they numb everything and they don't feel emotions as intensely as, as when their brain is more nourished and more able to cope. So that's 
one sort of way, um, which is seen mainly in anorexia nervosa. And then in volume nervosa or binge eating disorder, it could be more about filling this kind of ball of unpleasant emotion, but they, they don't know what it is. They can't identify it. They don't know what to do with it. And then one way in the short term to help them feel better is to binge, which is eating a large quantity of food and then purging, which means um, kind of making themselves sick to kind of get rid of, of all that food that they've eaten. And that makes them feel like, oh, I can breathe again. And that kind of makes all the emotion go away. But the problem is that works in the short term, but in the long term, that kind of makes it worse because again, they haven't really kind of dealt with it. And it's similar mechanism that happen in gambling, alcohol addiction, drug addiction, sort of like a way of not really knowing what to do with this unpleasant emotion and using this strategy, which are maladaptive because in the long term, it doesn't make people happier, but in the short term, it means that they can feel you know, released from this emotion. And then that's the cycle that kind of um, continue unresolved because they haven't actually worked on their emotions. And so what should people be doing? What kind of more healthy um, approaches are there for dealing with these negative emotions that we all have and all experience regularly? What should people be doing in those instances? So I think the first, there's so many things to do, but the first thing is sort of like to acknowledge that that your emotions are valid and it's okay to feel this emotion. And I think that's the first bit that a lot of people find it difficult um, because of our society, because maybe we were told, you know, uh, just stop crying, or, you know, just boys don't cry or things like that. And then we kind of got used to kind of pushing these emotions away and being like, oh, I shouldn't be feeling this way. So the first, first bit is acknowledging that everybody experiences unpleasant emotions they're part of normal life and and kind of understanding that they're they're valid that's the first bit which is probably the easiest um the second bit is about trying to be curious about emotion and trying to learn how to identify emotions so that can be very difficult for for some people there's a condition called alexithymia which is a condition that that leads to people finding it difficult or is associated with people finding it difficult identifying and describing their emotions. So for these people, they may be feeling kind of wide range of like physical reaction in their body, but they can't really pinpoint to what exactly is happening. But in people who don't have this condition, alexithymia, it's about kind of learning how to um, better identify emotions. And, and that can be through... Um, there's three kind of little steps that people can do. The first is looking at the situation. So what's happening to give rise to that emotion? And in my previous example, my housemate hasn't done the dishes or my pet has died or I have a big talk to give or anything, kind of trying to identify what is the situation. And then trying to be in touch with your body and part of an emotion includes a physiological reaction. So we've probably all um, noticed how when you're angry or when you're stressed or anxious, your heart may be feeling faster, uh, your breathing's faster as well. And so it's about connecting with these um, reactions in your body, what's happening in your body and what does it mean? What does it tell you? What kind of emotions are you feeling right now? Um, so 
this is a good kind of like first step at trying to identify um, emotions. Another extra step would be to try to learn new words um, because people tend to use, on average, I think people tend to use six negative emotional words, including like sad, angry or anxious. But there's so many, so many, I think it's 3,000 or even 6,000 words in the emotional uh, language in English. And so it's about trying to be a bit more granular about what emotion you're actually feeling. So for instance, you know, when I said, you know, today I'm giving this talk and part of me is a bit nervous, um, part of me is a bit excited because um, I want to kind of share my knowledge and etc. etc. So trying to to learn new words to, to give you a fuller uh, emotional experience. So that's the first step in trying to better identify um, emotions. And I have this analogy, um, which is how helping identify emotion can be really helpful because you may be thinking, well, okay, fine, I can identify how I feel, but so what? But you can try and picture it a bit like a, like a balloon that has loads of confetti's inside. And when you don't deal with it, the balloon is growing, 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 and you've got all these little confetti's with all these little emotions, but you don't know what they are. And it grows, grows, grows. And suddenly you haven't dealt with it and it explodes and hurts everyone, you and other people around you. But by trying to identify emotions, you kind of split that big balloon that's about to explode into smaller, little balloons, and then you just pick one. So I'm feeling all these emotions, because that's also something that I haven't really discussed, but people never, well, very rarely feel just one emotion at the same time. It's usually mixed emotion, like feeling excited, but a bit nervous at the same time. And so trying to pick one of these emotion, one of these balloon, and trying to be like, okay, fine, now I'm going to deal with that one. Um, so that can be really helpful to identify and to pinpoint what emotion you're feeling. So that's the first step in identifying emotions. And then what can we do once you have identified that emotion? Um, another step would be not to judge. And that's linked to my first point about accepting that emotions are okay. And it's about not judging, because what happens when we're judging, then we have something called secondary emotions, which is an emotion on top of an emotion. For instance, um, you may be feeling angry at your housemate for not having done the dishes, but then you may be feeling guilty for feeling angry, or I shouldn't be feeling uh, angry, like, you know, he's having a hard time, he's picked up with his girlfriend, and I shouldn't be feeling angry. And then you feel guilty over feeling angry. And you can add so many more emotions, and then you may feel anxious about feeling guilty over feeling angry. So by judging our emotion, we're kind of adding an extra layer of complexity onto the emotional response. And it's about, once you identify that emotion, I feel angry or I feel sad, I feel upset or nervous. It's about being, okay, that is the emotion and I don't need to judge it. That's here to tell me something, to kind of bring my attention to a situation that needs my attention. And what do I do with it now? And so it's about, accepting and not judging that emotion and then the next step is about managing this emotion so you've identified it and then you've accepted that yes this is kind of like a valid emotion I don't need to to judge it but then what do we do with it when in the moment we feel like really anxious about giving a talk or something like what can people do so there's many different strategies and actually what's really important is to understand that what works for one person may not work for someone else. So what works for you may be very different to what works for someone else. So for instance, if you feel 
anxious for some people it may be okay so i'm just going to go for a walk and listen to um, classical music and take some deep breath or go to the forest and you know look at the trees and that's going to help me but for some people that will not calm them that may make them feel even more anxious and they'll be like oh no i need to go for a run or i need to listen to um rock metal music very loud in my living room so everybody's very different in how what helped them feel better but one strategy to kind of like help people manage unpleasant emotion is called reappraisal or reframing um so it's sort of like trying to look at the situation from a slightly different perspective so sort of like using a slightly different pair of glasses to look at the same situation but rather than being for my talk for instance or um you know i'm feeling really nervous about it what if i say something stupid uh, what if i can't explain what i mean etc is trying to look at it from a slightly different perspective and thinking, well, you know, it's a great opportunity for me to explain my work and actually I'm feeling a bit excited about it. So that's called um, reappraisal. But reappraisal can be quite difficult if you're not used to doing it. And also in the moment, sometimes the emotion is too intense. And also something that I have to say about reappraisal is that it's not about just viewing the situation from a different perspective and just thinking, I shouldn't be feeling nervous and I'm just going to look at it with rose tinted glasses and I should just be feeling excited. But it's about, yes, I am feeling a bit nervous, but equally this um, podcast is giving me the opportunity to explain my work and that is exciting. So just trying to view it from slightly different perspective. Could you see any positive outcome um, out of it? Um, but it doesn't mean that you should ditch your negative emotion. And also, as I said, that can be quite difficult to do if you're not used to doing that um, or if the emotion feels too intense and you're in the moment and you feel like your heart's beating too fast, you're sweating, you don't know what to do. And then for some people, when that happens, when the emotion feels really overwhelming, using a reappraisal can be really unhelpful because they feel like, oh, but I can't do it. And then they feel, what's wrong with me? I can't even use this strategy. And then they may kind of revert to their habitual behavior which may be self-harming or binge eating or alcohol abuse so in this situation when you may feel that you're about to give in to this habitual and maladaptive response then distraction can be really useful so to distract you from engaging in something that may harm you and um, then again my example earlier about you know going for a walk or listening to loud metal music or having a bath or doing your nails um or doing a crossword, anything that can kind of distract you and kind of let the emotional wave go. Because that's something I haven't really covered yet. But emotions are really short. An emotion lasts on average 90 seconds. That's really, really short. And you can think of it a bit just like a wave or a bit like the weather. You know, it's sunny or it rains, it's, but it eventually kind of passes. And same with the wave, it goes and passes. So it's keeping that in mind that... You're not going to feel like that forever. And while you're still feeling with all your very unpleasant and difficult to manage emotion, you may use distraction technique to prevent you from engaging in, in harmful behavior. But while these can be really useful to prevent people engaging in harmful behavior, this doesn't really help deal with the emotion. You're just kind of distracting yourself from that emotion. So this is not something to use repetitively and it's good in the short term to help you. But then eventually what you should do is once you calm down is go back to it. So what was the situation? 
How did my body feel? Why was I feeling this way? What was I feeling? Trying to name that emotion and deal with it once you're a bit calmer. And that would help you then eventually kind of better manage your emotions. And another one is um, accepting emotion. Um, so this one is really difficult, but there's like some um, therapy that's third wave therapy that's about um, acceptance and commitment therapy. It's called ACT. And this is, I feel, wonderful. And it's very, it's, I think it's quite difficult. And this is not something that you'll get like that in one day and feel like, oh yeah, suddenly you're like, of course I can accept my sadness and my anger. But it's about working on, on trying to, little by little, practicing to identify your emotion, to understand that they're valid, to not judge your emotion, and to accept it. And kind of one metaphor that I like using is, is sort of like a um, um, hot air balloon. So, because I want people to kind of let go of the emotion. But when I said you have to accept, but equally let go of your emotion, people are like, but wait, that doesn't make any sense. If I let go and accept, that's not the same. But it's sort of like not holding on to dear life with that emotion, but it's about accepting that you're feeling this way and it's okay. And anybody in your situation would probably feel this way. And you let go and you can still see the balloon in the sky. You can still see it. You can still see this emotion but it's not affecting you as much and you don't hold on to it to dear life. And so there's loads of, I wouldn't be able to cover how to manage to accept your emotion in, in one podcast. And also I'm not even trained as a therapist um, to do that, but there's loads of um, books or self-help online and um, that can be useful. And that's sort of like the ultimate, at least to me, the ultimate strategy um, to to get this kind of improve emotional well-being, which is not about just feeling positive emotion, but it's about understanding that life comes with pleasant and unpleasant emotion, but they come and go, they're part of life and they're all valid and you'll have the right to feel how you feel. And, but kind of like accepting it, not pushing it away, but letting it go and understanding that that's just part of, of life. I suppose this might be a good point to just mention that while things like anger and sadness are part of that kind of normal spectrum of emotion, if you're feeling that way all the time, then maybe that's the point at which you should seek kind of professional help or, or go and consult a medical um, professional. Yeah, definitely. Recently, because to me, because I've been researching emotions and mental health and mental illness for such a long time, it's so clear to me how they are not the same things. But recently, someone was saying, oh, but wait, emotions and mental illness, they're not the same things. And it's like, no, not at all. And an emotion, even unpleasant emotion like sadness or anger, are part of normal, natural life. But when you're feeling so sad that it's all-encompassing, that's preventing you from enjoying um, everyday life, from going out with your friends, from doing any activity that gives you any pleasure, if you don't have any pleasure in life and all you feel is constant sadness, this is not normal. And then you should um, seek professional help. Same for anxiety. It's completely normal to feel anxious before giving a talk, before doing something new. Um, but when you feel anxious all the time, and that's preventing you from, um, you know, going out with your friends and, and kind of enjoying life, and this is really affecting your quality of life, then that is something that, again, should be, um, you should seek medical um, help for that. Um, so yeah, that's very important to kind of like make that difference um, in 
all emotions are part of of natural life and and they come and go but if it's all encompassing and preventing you from enjoying your life then yeah you should be seeking medical help have you noticed a difference in the way people respond to their emotions and think about their emotions i think in the uk we have that kind of um preconception that there's the stiff upper lip and we don't really talk about how we're feeling and potentially there are some gender differences in the way kind of men feel like they perhaps can't open up as much but have you noticed a bit of a shift in that behavior or is that something that that seems to be continuing uh i don't know actually just because because i'm researching it i just feel like i'm completely biased in in trying to understand how people understand their emotions and because my understanding is evolving all the time i think the way i view how people manage and, and understand their emotion changes as well. So I can't really say whether it has changed or if it's just my understanding. Um, I think it's not just the British people who are like kind of stiff up lip. I think it's it's this misconception that happiness should just be about expressing positive emotion and that anybody who feels any kind of unpleasant emotion will feel, oh, but I don't want to be a burden. No, I'm not, I'm not going to say that. You know, if someone's asking, oh, how are you doing? You're just like, oh, yeah fine yet don't worry I'm fine but you're thinking oh my god like I'm not good at all um so so I don't think it's just British people I think it's kind of like a tendency to you know not want to be a burden or not really being so sure how people are going to respond or not being so sure about what I've been told that I shouldn't be expressing these unpleasant emotions I'm not gonna you know bother people and tell people about it I should just get rid of it so I think it's just society more than just British society um the western society and I think it is changing maybe a little bit in that we understand uh, mental health and mental illness a bit more uh and now it's kind of a bit more okay to talk about um mental health and you know I'm feeling a bit I'm struggling a little bit um and so yeah, maybe that's changing a little bit with maybe potentially a bit less stigma. I was recently listening to a podcast about how the unintentional effect of, of uh, raising awareness for mental uh, health. And they were saying how very important it is, but how if you don't raise awareness in the right way, then people may confound actually emotions with mental health. And anybody who's feeling a bit sad, they will be like, oh yeah, of course you have depression because now depression comes into the kind of everyday language. And that could be difficult um, because I that that makes that any negative emotion you have a condition if you experience that which is incorrect and be people with that condition with depression or anxiety disorder may feel unvalidated like actually I am really struggling it's not just you have a bit of depression it's like no I'm really struggling so so I think this is amazing that um, there is more awareness of mental health emotions and mental illnesses but we have to be careful about how we raise our awareness. And like you say, it's about normalising some of those emotions. Like it's completely natural to feel anxious before a big event or a big, I hate public speaking and I know that I'm going to get those butterflies in my tummy and I'm going to be sweaty, but it will pass. And it's part of it being a big kind of moment in my life that is really important to me. So it's about recognising that that's completely natural and you're going to feel that way, but it will pass. Yeah, exactly.
Do you think um, social media is maybe playing a role in this kind of um, sense that you have to be happy and positive all the time? I know when I'm having a really rubbish day and I'm scrolling through my feed and people are posting kind of sun-soaked pictures on the beach with big smiles and you just feel like everybody else's life is perfect, but why isn't mine? Do you think that's sort of playing into that um, that sense of happiness being the be-all and end-all? Probably, probably. I think people are becoming slightly more aware of the fact that social media is just one very biased version of what somebody wants the world to see. And it's just the best version. And just recently, um, I was talking to a friend who just um, messaged me and said, actually, I'm having a really tough time. But I was looking at her social media just two days ago. And it was loads of beautiful pictures with her family and being happy. And I was like, I would have never known by just looking at them social media and that she was having a tough time so I think definitely it doesn't help um I'm for instance I don't even have an Instagram account um just because I can't really see the point I just find it fake to be honest um that you're just presenting a version of yourself that's just kind of curated that's beautiful and I'm really much against it because my whole work is about you know the real world is is messy and it's you know it's it's yes sometimes you feel happy but sometimes you don't feel happy and it's also okay but of course you're not really going to post pictures of yourself feeling miserable so I do think that yeah that has that has a big influence and I think um this is not my area of research by the way but I think you know for teenagers who may not have the understanding that people are just presented presenting a curated version of themselves that can be really damaging and just feeling like what is wrong with me why am I feeling you know sadness anger all these emotions that I don't know what to do with why are these people not feeling the same way and actually they are they're just not showing it and I think that can be really damaging to, to teenagers yeah and so how would you define happiness is it about feeling that full rainbow of emotions and kind of coming out of the other side of it um what would what would happiness mean to you so there's different different definitions of happiness. So there's something called um, hedonic uh, well-being, um, which is just feeling kind of more positive, positive emotion. And one is called eudaimonic well-being. And this is more about the version of happiness that I think is more important. It's about living a life that's rich, full, and meaningful, and you know, filled with like connections and and actually kind of social connections are one of the um, highest predictor of of um, well-being and happiness even for people who are introverted and who may not feel social contact as much that's kind of for me a life that's that's like happiness means a life that's rich for meaningful connected to people and inevitably a life that's uh, rich full and meaningful will come with unpleasant emotions but that's that's sort of like my definition of happiness and I think sometimes you have to experience the lows and the anxious moments to then get those really high highs if you're doing something that matters to you and is important and is meaningful chances are you are going to feel a bit nervous beforehand or there will be kind of moments of um fear um but then to get to that end point where you feel on top of the world um you kind of have to get through that don't you exactly exactly and that's these kind of events will make your life feeling rich full and meaningful you know you're achieving it's about thinking what what gives me kind of pleasure what gives me um yeah kind of makes me feel alive and makes my life meaningful and then it's going towards that and then as you said you know if if it is you know when you when you do something hard like you say you hate public speaking 
but when you do it you feel elated and you feel well I've done it like you know you can feel like really proud and and kind of motivated to to go further and to push yourself and that's a life that's kind of meaningful but it does come with oh I'm feeling really anxious I'm feeling really nervous I'm sweaty I'm like you know feeling really hot and flush and um so yeah yeah exactly you're right and how is this an area that you got into? What first kind of piqued your interest in emotions and, and made this an area that you think, actually, I want to spend my life researching and finding out more about? So if we go back to doing my undergrad, I actually studied um, biology. And then by um, chance, I got a an internship in Canada working on kind of biological mechanism of the medication for antipsychotic drugs and what was happening in the brain. And then I was hooked and I was like, right, I need to study the brain. So I changed my uh, master's and I did a master's in um, neuropsychology to study people and the brain. And then eventually I did my PhD uh, on emotion in children and adults. And I think partly it was kind of realizing partly through my PhD that I was really bad at managing my emotions. And I was really bad at understanding how I felt and actually I had an eating disorder as well at the time and that was completely linked and that's kind of like what got me into the link between emotions and eating disorders because I could feel that my eating disorders was linked to my anxiety and not knowing how I felt and not really understanding pinpointing to and labeling my emotions and managing them well so um, I um, yeah continued my PhD and then um, after that kind of decided to focus my career on on emotions in eating disorders um, and one one kind of funny thing that happened during my PhD is so I was working on emotion regulation in children and I had to do a task to create frustration and for maybe like a week I didn't sleep and I was like I can't do that I can't create frustration in children and I was like you know feeling so anxious about it I went to talk to my um, PhD supervisor and he was like can you remind me what your PhD is about I was like oh emotion regulation he was like well go and regulate your emotions and come back to me and then you know you don't need to feel so stressed about it and then the moment I kind of like took the time to understand why I was feeling so anxious about doing this research project then I could I felt so much calmer and then eventually it was it was completely fine the children were fine but it was kind of like proof that I was really struggling at the time managing my emotions and I think that's that's why really I got into it trying to understand why am I feeling this way and trying to spend my life kind of helping people because now I feel like I've come so far and now I'm really good at identifying my emotions and I'm managing them and now I want to help other people um yeah achieve achieve the same and what's next for you what are you working on at the moment quite a few projects <laughs> um but with my team at Bournemouth University we've developed a um an intervention to help people understand emotions and label their emotion and manage their emotions and at the moment it's it's for people with um an eating disorder so I'm trying to get funding um, to um, get that intervention through the NHS. Another part of my project would be to kind of do similar kind of intervention before teenagers, um, where I know that through school, like there are some talks about what emotions are and kind of helping people with their emotions. But in the teenage years, I find that it can be really confusing with all the change in hormones and the change in how the brain processes emotions and not enough is being done. 
And I think that if you if you if you give help to 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 children or to adolescents before they develop a mental health condition, I think that could be really valuable. And trying to explain, you know, emotions are normal. Think of it like a wave or like the weather, and kind of like doing psychoeducations. I think that could help people better understand and manage their emotion. And then they may not need to go um, to use harmful behaviour to manage these unpleasant feelings. If you've been affected by any of the issues discussed in this podcast, please speak to a qualified professional. Thank you for listening. Join us next time on Spotlight or subscribe on SoundCloud, iTunes or Spotify to hear more from Bournemouth University. 